Chapter Six of Fern's Hollow. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Fern's Hollow by Hesba Stretton. Chapter Six The Red Gravel Pit. At the entrance of the lane leading down to the works at Botfield, there stood a small square building which was used as the weighing house for the coal and lime fetched from the pits and as the pay office on the reckoning saturday which came once a fortnight upon the saturday evening after his interview with the master stephen loitered in the lane with a very heavy heart afraid of facing mr wyley lest he should receive the sentence of dismission from the pit he did not know what he could turn his hand to if he should be discharged from what had been his work since he was eight years old for even if he could get a place in one of the farmhouses about as wagoner's boy he would not earn more than three shillings a week and how very little that would do towards providing food for the three mouths at home fearful of knowing the worst he lingered about the office until all the other workmen had been in and come out again jingling their wages but the master and his brother thomas had been taking counsel together about the matter mr wyley was for turning the boy off at once and reducing him to the utmost straits of poverty but his more prudent brother was opposed to this plan look here brother james he said if we drive the young scamp to desperation there's no telling what he will do ten to one if he does not go and tell a string of lies to some of the farmers about here or perhaps to the parson at longville and they may make an unpleasant disturbance nobody knows and nobody cares about him as it is but he's a determined young fellow or i'm mistaken better keep him at work under your own eye and make the place too hot for him by degrees before long you'll catch him poaching with his dog and if he's let off for a time or two because of his youth and goes at it again we can make out a pretty case of juvenile depravity without any character from his employer you know and so he'll be sent out of the way and boarded at the expense of the country for a few years or so well said the master i'll try him once again if he'd go out quietly nobody else has any claim upon the cottage and i want to set to work there quickly so when stephen entered the office with trembling limbs and a very pale face under its dusky covering it happened that he met with a very different reception to what he expected the master sat behind a small counter upon which lay stephen's twelve shillings the only little heap of money left and as he gathered them nervously into his hand he wondered if this would be the last time but his master's face was not more threatening than usual and he muttered his thank you sir and was turning away with a feeling of great relief when mr wyley's harsh voice brought him back again trembling more than ever have you thought any more of my offer fern he asked i shouldn't mind as you're an orphan and have two sisters depending upon you if i made the ten pounds into fifteen and you may leave the money at interest with me till you're older and i've been thinking stephen added thomas wyley who sat at a high desk checking the accounts 
but as you seem set against being separated instead of taking your grandfather into the house i'd get him two shillings a week allowed him out of it and that would pay the rent of a nice two-room cottage down in butfield close to your work come that would make all of you comfortable you should bear in mind stephen said the master that the place does not of right belong to you at all and the lord of the manor is coming to shoot over the estate in september and then i shall have orders to remove you by force so you had better take our offer please sir said stephen bowing respectfully don't be angered with me but i can't go from what i said afore father told me never to give up fern's hollow and maybe he'll hear tell of it in heaven if i broke my word to him i can't do it sir well wilful will have his way said mr thomas nodding at the master and as neither of them addressed stephen again he left the office amazed to find that he was not forbidden to return to work on the following monday the red gravel pit where miss anne had promised to meet her scholars on sunday morning was a quarry cut out of the side of one of the hills from which the stones were taken for making and mending the roads in the neighbourhood the quarry had been hollowed out into a kind of enclosed circle only entered by the road through which the wagons passed all along the edge of the red rocks high overhead there was a coppice of green hazel bushes and young oaks where the boys had spent many a sunday searching for wild nuts and hunting the squirrels from tree to tree stephen and tim met half an hour earlier than the time appointed by miss anne and by dint of great perseverance and strength rolled together five large stones under the shadow of an oak tree and placed four of them in a row before the largest one as tim had once seen the children sitting in the village school at longville when he had taken a donkey load of coals for the schoolmaster martha came in good time with little nan both in their new black bonnets and clean cotton shawls and all were seated orderly in a row when miss anne entered the red gravel pit by the wagon road i need not describe to you how miss anne heard stephen read his chapter and taught tim and martha and even little nan herself the first few letters of the alphabet after which she made them all repeat a verse of a hymn and when they could say it correctly sang it with them over and over again in her sweet and clear voice until stephen felt almost choked with a sob of pure gladness that would every now and then rise to his lips tim sang loudly and lustily getting out of tune very often but little nan was a marvel to hear so soft and sweet were her childish tones so that miss anne bade her sing the verse alone which she did perfectly martha too was full of admiration of the lady's lilac silk dress and the white ribbon on her bonnet and that was the first of many pleasant sunday mornings in the red gravel pit when the novelty was worn away martha discovered that she had too much to do at home to be able to leave it so early in the day and tim sometimes overslept himself on a sunday when most of his comrades spent the whole morning in bed but stephen and little nan were always there and their teacher never failed to meet them nor did miss anne confine her care of the orphan children to a sunday morning only 
sometimes she would mount the hill during the long summer evenings and pay their little household a visit giving martha many quiet hints about her management and her outlay of stephen's wages hints which martha did not always receive as graciously as they were given miss anne would read also to the blind old grandfather choosing very simple and easy portions of the bible especially about the lost sheep being found as that pleased the old shepherd and he could fully understand its meaning in general miss anne was very cheerful and she would laugh merrily at times but now and then her face looked pale and sad and her voice was very mournful while she talked and sang with them once even when she bade stephen good evening an exceedingly sorrowful expression passed across her face and she said to him i find it quite as hard work to serve god really and truly as you do stephen there is only one helper for both of us and we can only do all things through christ which strengthen us but stephen could not believe that good gentle miss anne found it as hard to be a christian as he did everything seemed against him at the works the short indulgence from hard words and hard blows granted him after his father's death was followed by what appeared to be a very tempest of oppression it was very soon understood that the master had a private grudge against the boy and though the workpeople were ground down and wronged in a hundred ways by him so as to fill them with hatred and revenge they were not the less willing to take advantage of his spite against stephen his work underground which had always been distasteful to him compared with a shepherd's life on the hills was now made more toilsome and dangerous than ever while black thompson followed him everywhere and all day long with oaths and blows stephen's evident superiority over the other boys was of course very much against him for he had never been much associated with them as his distant home had separated him from them excepting during the busy hours of labour now when through his own self-satisfaction and tim's loud praises his accomplishments became known it is no wonder that a storm of envy and jealousy raged round him for not only the boys themselves but their fathers also felt affronted at his wonderful scholarship to be sure tim never deserted him and his partisanship was especially useful on the bank before he went down and after he came up from the pit but below in the dark dismal passages of the pit many a stripe unmerited fell upon his bruised shoulders which he learned to bear the more patiently after miss anne had taught and explained to him the verse but he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed still stephen feeling how hard it was to continue in the right way and knowing how often he failed to his own sore mortification and the rude triumph of his comrades wondered exceedingly how it was possible for miss anne to find it as hard to be a follower of christ as he did End of chapter 6